Chapter 28 of Regiment of Women. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Chad Horner from Ballyclare in County Antrim, Northern Ireland, situated in the northeast of the island of Ireland. Regiment of Women by Clement Steen. Chapter 28. Said Claire to Elsbeth at their next meeting, I found out what the trouble was. Henrietta Vidgers has been slave-driving her. I should have guessed before. But you know that sort of thing can go on in a skull unnoticed. Oh yes, said Elsbeth. Claire shot a suspicious glance at her, but Elsbeth's face was impassive. But she'll be all right now. Miss Vidgers is leaving us at half-term. So I hear. Their eyes met. Claire flushed faintly. I couldn't have Alwyn bullied. I know exactly how you feel, said Elsbeth quietly. Then with a direct glance, has Miss Vidgers got another post? I haven't inquired. You're a bad enemy. Elsbeth's tone was quaintly reflective, almost admiring. But a good friend, I hope, Claire laughed. I hope so, said Elsbeth doubtfully, and Claire laughed again. It amused her to cross swords with Elsbeth. At times she felt that had it not been for Alwyn, that bone of contention, she could have killed her. You can't be one without the other, she instructed her. I don't pretend to be a saint, and you'll see how much better Alwyn will be next term. But the spring term came and Alwyn was no better. She flagged like a transplanted tree. She went about her business as usual, but even Claire, not too willing to acknowledge what interfered with her scheme of things, realised that her efficiency was laborious, that her high spirits were forced, her comicalities not spontaneous, that she was in fact not herself, but merely an elaborate imitation. But where Elsbeth grew anxious, Claire grew irritated. She spied a mystery. Some obscure yet powerful instinct prevented her from probing it, but she was none the less piqued at being left in the dark. It annoyed her, too, that Alwyn should be obviously and daily losing her health and good looks. Claire required above all vitality in her associates. It had been, in her eyes, one of Alwyn's most attractive characteristics. This changing Alwyn, whitened, quieted, submissive, the sparkle gone from her eyes and the snap from her tongue, was less to her taste. Alwyn, very conscious of her shortcomings and of Claire's irritation at them, grew daily more nervously propitiatory. Ever a fatal attitude to Claire, it roused the petty tyrant in her. There were jarrings, misunderstandings, exhausting scenes, and more exhausting reconciliations, yet the two were always together, Claire viciously adroit, as she grew in those days in piercing the armour of Alwyn's peace, exacted nevertheless her incessant service, and never had Alwyn so strained every nerve to please her. Elsbeth, guessing at the situation, could give thanks when influenza, sweeping over the skull, claimed Alwyn as its earliest victim. Her turn had come. She nursed Alwyn through the attack, prolonged her convalescence, excluded all inquirers, censored messages and letters. When Alwyn grew better and talked, restless yet unwilling of fixing the date of her return, Elsbeth, lips firmly set, went out one afternoon to pay a call upon Miss Marsham, and returning sat down to write a letter. She busied herself for the rest of that day, and all the next over Alwyn's wardrobe, mending and pressing and freshing. Alwyn protested. Elsbeth, dear, do leave my things alone. I'll mend them some time, honestly. They're all right. I wish you wouldn't fuss. But Elsbeth fussed placidly on. In the evening came letters for both of them. Alwyn read hers hurriedly. Elsbeth, it's from Claire. She wants to know why I'm not coming back. What does she mean? Of course I'm coming back. Mademoiselle Charette is all ready. And she was ill after I was. Elsbeth sniffed. She was only in bed two days. Miss Marsham said so. You're not going back this term, Alwyn. 
I've seen Miss Marsham myself. I told her what the doctor said. I've arranged things. She agrees with me. You're not fit to. It's only a month to end of term. They can manage. You've simply got to have a change. So I wrote to Dean, to the Lumsdens, and Alicia's answer has just come. They're delighted to have you. I knew they would be, of course. They have asked us so often. Such a lovely place. Now, my dear, be a sensible child and don't argue, because I've made up my mind. It'll do you good to get away. For in Alwyn's face, astonishment had been succeeded by indignation. Elspeth prepared herself resignedly to face a storm of protest, if not a blank refusal, to be arranged for as if she were a child. Unconsulted, Claire, the school, the coaching, leaving Elspeth alone, Dean, utter strangers, perfectly well, simply ridiculous, Elspeth saw it all coming. My dear Elspeth, what a preposterous, began Alwyn. Then the weakness of convalescence swamped her. She sank back in her chair. Perhaps it will, said Alwyn, wearily. All right, Elspeth. I'll go if you want me to. Anyway, I don't much care. End of chapter 28